They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Let's just close Tom. recent chats. Oh, now I did the opposite of what I wanted. I uh, <laughs> expanded it. Oh, crap. I know I minimized the call. Um, so I'm still there. But... <laughs> Damn it. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. I, I had to minimize it first, I guess, but now it's good. <laughs> I already suck at leading this ship. Welcome back, everybody, to the Shooting the Shit with Chip, a podcast. I'm really excited about uh, tonight's guests. Um, you've probably heard me on at least one of their podcasts at the point this is on, or possibly two. This is um, Axel and Ulrich from the Geeks with Shields podcast, so introduce yourselves, guys. I'm uh, Lord Commander Ulrich. And I'm Axel Wright, and we always introduce ourselves in that particular order, because he's the guy you shoot when things go wrong. Exactly. I was, I was hoping maybe I could get him a little bit of an in and get them to shoot at you first. That's how this works, right? Uh, I'm hiding. So he wants to, you can tell he knows how to move up the hierarchy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy in my current position. It's all right. I don't, I don't need to be the leader. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, for, for those of you out there that haven't um, heard me on their podcast or don't know who they are, please go check out the Geeks with Shields podcast. Um, obviously, finish listening to this and then go check them out. And I'll let you guys uh, kind of promo it at the end as well but um i wanted to start out at the beginning uh by saying um are you comfortable giving your real names on the internet or are you just going to go by axel and ulrich i'll give my real name people know who i am i don't i i've i've done this like four to three i've talked to you guys a bunch and i don't know either of your names it's pretty well ulrich ulrich's uh real name is part of the url for geeks with shields youtube so it's always been visible there yeah, if you go to the actual, that. yeah, you go to the actual URL. It's it's part of it because you're using your Google account. So that's funny. As for me, I'm not completely comfortable. I will say my my real first name is Chance. I'll say that much. That's perfectly that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I, it's more of just so I know how to, uh, you know, I, I consider you guys friends at this point, so I can just call you Excellent Ulrich. That's fine. But. Yeah, well, let me say that I have plenty of friends in my, you know, uh, offline who call me Axel. It's been a nickname for it's awesome. a number, yeah, a number of years at this point. So I'm just I'm I'm comfortable with that. As for my real name, I know there are people that if they if they really wanted, they could find my full name, but I'm not gonna just offer it up on a platter, you know. <laughs> oh, I get you. And um, and Ulrich, what did you say your name was? Uh, my name is DC, like the capital. Awesome. Cool. That works for me. Um, yeah. So uh, after getting that out of the way, I wanted to ask because I haven't listened to everything you guys have put out there. And I'm assuming if people wanted to get an intro into what you were doing, what's the what's the story behind your podcast? Like, where did you come up with, you know, um, the world of New Sparta and the the idea of, uh, you know, Ulrich? May, may I? Ulrich? Yes. <laughs> may I, Ulrich, uh, if I a bit here? So yeah, go ahead. So Ulrich and I are shield brothers. And this is a term that means a lot. So we both are, uh, for lack of a better term, proponents of Viking and Norse ways of life, essentially. So, you know, we've known each other for a long time. We're not actually blood brothers, but we're in some ways more than that. We met uh, 13 years ago, I want to say, at this point. Is that right? Uh, I think it's longer than that. Well, because I was... 13 feels right. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 13 years ago is when we met, and then we didn't become, like, real friends till about a year after that, and then we didn't become, let's say, Shield Brothers until about another year after that. So we've known each other for, like, three years before we became kind of what we are now. There was a kind of a ceremony, um, not going to go into details on that, but we made it kind of like, like, I got inducted into his clan. It's, it's more than just, you know, words, is my point. Right, and that's awesome. So, that, it, it kind of felt that way, too. I just wanted to to ask, because it's like, oh, I mean, I, I got into this kind of late. You know, we, we started talking to each other on Twitter, and then I came on your show, and I'm like, oh, you know, the show was kind of, we jumped right into just, you know, talking. So it's like, oh, man, I want to know more about, you know, these guys and where they came up with this. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and my point is that there's a, you know, a story, and as, as, as much as you're interested, you know, we'll share. I love telling stories. So, so we... One of the things that got us, you know, closer was early on in our friendship, we watched uh, The Watchmen, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. And oh, yeah. I hadn't seen it. DC got me to see it. And I was blown away. Afterwards, I went and read the graphic novel, which I love, but I think they're both amazing in, in different ways. I will, I'm an ardent defender of that movie. It's one of my favorite movies, period. And so... We'd watched this movie, and we watched it like six times in, in the course of about, you know, like seven or eight months. Like, we just, we'd just watch it, and we'd sit, and we'd pause it, and we'd just talk about what was going on, what we thought was interesting about what was happening. And then we started doing that with other movies, too. And so, you know, years would go by. We kind of moved away from each other. We'd still talked in emails. We had these really long email conversations and it was it was kind of a almost like a joke because that whenever we got together, we'd have these conversations that just shut people out, right? Like his wife got would get frustrated with us because we just we'd lock in on whatever we were talking about, right? And so then about a year ago, a little more than a year ago at this point is about fourteen months ago. Ulrich sends me a I'm just gonna use Ulrich and DC interchangeably, <laughs> but he he sends me a message where he says, "Okay, I'm calling in a favor." I'm starting a podcast, and I want you to be my co-host. Because we had before talked about how, well, we have these conversations. They're very engrossing, and if anyone else finds them interesting, why not put them out there? You know, is absolutely. That, and that's from like your perspective. I, I mean, I don't know the details of what, what brought Ulrich to this particular decision to finally, you know, do it to pull the trigger. But from my side of it, that's kind of what happened. And so we've been doing this for. A little over a year now, and I, I'm I'm loving it. <laughs> As for what the the details of like what we do, for anyone who doesn't know, it's you know it's generally just we pick a topic, we make a loose, very loose script, like usually not any sentences or anything, just topics, and then we just kind of go through it, give our points of view, you know, and chat about things, bring on guests whenever we can. Right. That's um. It, it's funny, you know. I I was talking to uh, um. Ulrich before uh before we started recording this when we were waiting for you and um you know it's kind of the same thing I'm glad I'm glad we found each other mutually um in the podcast world because you know the format of yours the conversation is very similar to me and my friends and me and my brother growing up and that's kind of where the Chipman Brothers tangent came from you know was the idea of we're really interested in talking and other people have been really you know we'll go out to like a bar with our friends or hang out and it'll just be like you know, the room of like three of us are talking and everyone else is just sitting there listening and it could go on for hours. Right. So I figured that'd be 
a great way to start a podcast. And it looks like, you know, you guys came from the same background. So that's, that's really cool. Oh, yeah, I, I love, there are a few things in life I love more than a good, deep conversation. I remember a while back I was watching, a friend of mine was watching Friends, I think, and they were making a, a joke in that show about how anytime Ross in that show brings up some sort of topic that requires some sort of intellect, all the rest of them pretend to be asleep. And I had this moment <laughs> where I realized I am infuriated by those people because having deep, interesting philosophical conversations, even ones just about geek stuff, that's like the reason, one of my reasons for living and for having friends. <laughs> Exactly. It, it, it's the funnest part of the night, right? Not just going to the movie, but hanging out afterwards and talking about it, right? Yes. <laughs> Especially funny because my, my lady, uh, we, I just got, one of the reasons I was late today, my, my girlfriend and I were watching the new How to Train a Dragon movie, which How is great. Was? It was good. I would say that it's definitely, the How to Train a Dragon movies, all three of them are in the same level of quality that I feel is like very, it's a solid movie. Like it, I don't think I liked it quite as much as Alita because Alita was a bit more like challenging and took more risks, but it was still like a really good time at the theater. You know, my, my point of bringing that up though, is that whenever my girlfriend, and I go to a movie, uh, okay. Example, I took her, me and her went with my buddy Woundvog to see crimes of Grindelwald, which I, I hate, I loathe it, mm-hmm. but she, she has a different perspective on movies and doesn't enjoy talking about them the same way I do, and especially doesn't enjoy hearing, you know, all that negativity. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I love you, but I have to find my other friends to talk to about this. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, uh, heard a lot from Axel there. Um, Ulrich, is, does that check out? The uh... Yeah. No, <laughs> more or less. I mean, yeah. that is an exact app description of uh, my wife and I will come out of the movies and I can get about 10 minutes of conversation before she's like, okay, listen, I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm ready to move on to other things. But, like, but I want to discuss the costume design. That was really, you know, like, no, no, go, go, go talk to chance. He, he cares. I don't. Well, well, you know what, what helps, especially with me and Ulrich is we have very different priorities when it comes to movies. So it comes a lot of times we'll disagree. Even with movies we both like, we'll have very different opinions about why we like them and we respect each other's opinions generally speaking so right <laughs> yeah i still remember the huge argument we had about iron man 3 that went on for days for the record to to plant our flag here ulrich despises iron man 3 for reasons that me. whereas i actually really enjoy it i understand that there are problems with it but i really like iron man 3 so we just fought over it for a long time before Did we kind of just planted we're done kind of Did thing you fight over it on a podcast no this is well no. before we made the podcast someday maybe possibly we've talked about it but at this point we kind of feel like we've said all there is to say to, to put it uh to oversimplify things just to make you know this whole argument the last of days boil down for this quick thing ulrich generally has a problem with what I'm going to say is the tone of Iron Man 3. He thinks it's a little too focused on comedy. It's a little too focused on uh, essentially being acceptable to more of a general audience, especially a younger audience. And he feels like that kind of guts what the movie is trying to go for. 
I come from the opposite side where I feel like, you know, I come from the Christopher Titus school of comedy where if you were trying to be funny, you bring it to the dark place, you come back, the laughs are bigger. So I feel like instead of the comedy damaging the drama, the drama enhances the comedy. So it works really well for me. But that's and that's a very oversimplification of our debate, but that's a, a good way to phrase it. Oh, and that's I, I like I kind of agree with points on both sides of that debate, although I um I really like Iron Man three. Um not not to not to make this podcast be bringing back up that argument, <laughs> but um, it's j- just to that quick little blip of your describing it. Um, you know, if you ever put that to podcast, I'd love to even just be a person on the wall listening uh, when you're recording it because that 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 movie is very divisive. <laughs> yeah, I am kind of happy to see more people have come away not necessarily thinking it's bad, but like oh. You know, that wasn't as good as I thought it was. And they've agreed that the perfect trilogy is probably Captain America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hands down. I mean, individually speaking, the Captain America movies are, are the best. I mean, look, look put it this way. Uh, a similar, we had a similar debate to Iron Man 3 with Thor Ragnarok, which I adore. Yep. <laughs> so it was almost the same situation, but not nearly as much venom from Ulrich in that case. He just was unhappy with it. But I'm... I would say that Thor Ragnarok is probably the best or the most simplified version of our taste in films. You can tolerate a lot more comedy in your action films, whereas for me, a little goes a long way. Well, I would say that the, the base difference there is that I don't consider Thor Ragnarok an action film. Thor Ragnarok is a comedy with action in it. So it's like... Everything else that isn't comedy is in the service of the comedy. Anyway, point being, that's the kind of conversation. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I would have a lot of fun with that one too. <laughs> if, hey, uh, maybe maybe we'll have you there whenever we do finally do that. But it's, it, it's funny because we, we we talked. The reason why we haven't recorded that is because we'll have to watch Iron Man three both like again probably once at least twice. And Oryx not prepared to do that. So <laughs> I'll try. It's still angers me to this day which it's is gonna ridiculous hurt so hard at the same time like if we ever have the video on amazing spider-man for the record my most hated movie in existence period like i'm gonna have to sit down and watch that again and that that's gonna physically hurt me so oh don't do that to yourself man I, it's funny wound Wo- was there when i first watched amazing spider-man it wasn't in the theater it was just on my couch and he said that he got it was more fun to watch my face than the movie because he just watched me slowly devolve into primal anger as that movie went on <laughs> that's really funny yeah I, I don't i think i might have said this the last time but my my wife had a similar thing watching me watch batman versus superman with her and turning to me at some point coming up from her phone and going have we really just not been watching this? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like we just stopped and I go, oh, I think Superman's dead. I'm going to call my brother and find out how because I really don't want to <laughs> find it. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. such a bland movie. Like, it's, it's just boring. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Well, it is bad, but it's just there's nothing offensive. Like, you can't necessarily. I know your brother did a whole thing breaking down all the parts that are bad about it. But when I watched it, I walked away and went, that was just bad, but I couldn't tell you why. I, I right. think it, that like, the, 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 the summed parts, you could look at a piece of it and not go, oh, that's terrible. Like, there's some really, really cool action shots in it. When you put them together, it's just like, was anybody trying? <laughs> well, I think that the biggest crime, well, I mean, not the biggest crime, the biggest crime has to do with more 
thematic and deeper things. But one of the biggest crimes is you made a movie about Batman v Superman, cast a action heavy director or get an action heavy director to do it. And the actual fight that goes down between them sucks and is boring. How do you do that? How do you make a fight between Batman and Superman? The two most inarguably most well-known comic book characters period and make their fight boring. Of course, of course. And this has been, um, taken apart <laughs> on the internet ad nauseum, but yeah, it's a uh, just just to remind everybody where we all stand on that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't mean to turn this. Uh, oh this no, particular no it, in- Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Like like I said, I wanted I wanted to kind of run this in the way that I what I, that I do the tangent, but be more you know like a late night show interview you know with you guys because I want I want the people listening to this to find you, and I want people to listen to my show of course so this seems to be the best way to do it um an, an interesting thing about thor ragnarok is uh, i have two friends at work who are a couple and they're, they're married and the wife is like intense comic book nerd and mm-hmm. the husband is only into comic books from going to see the movies made out of superheroes with her he doesn't yeah. have a background in comics at all so he came out of Thor Ragnarok like, oh, this movie's hysterical. I loved it. Like, you know what I mean? And she came out so angry because she said Thor's not supposed to be funny. And my <laughs> my argument in the middle of that is, you know, okay, I could see someone who was really into, like, the mythology of the comic feeling that way. But at the end of the day, you know, Thor is still a, you know, a, a space god, right? That That's silly. <laughs> When you really break it down, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna say your friend is wrong. She's totally allowed to her perspective. But as someone who loves Thor, both as a character and also as a mythological figure, like I've got three different Norse books on my bookshelf right now. I'm, I'm wearing a Mjolnir currently. Like That's it's important awesome. to me. But Thor is funny. The Norse pantheon is funny, and especially comic book Thor has always been funny. He's just funny in a different way than what, like, like Ragnarok makes him more overtly funny, but one of his ways of being funny in the comics always was how ridiculous and over the, like, mighty Spock in his ridiculous use of the word mighty. But, like, he's always been funny, as far as I'm concerned. Nice. All I'll say is, Chris, Hemsworth is funny. Like, that man has comic timing. Right, True. and they, they definitely took that and ran with it. And uh-huh. I really like Taika Waititi. I actually went and watched all of his movies after Thor Ragnarok because it's like, all right, I like that movie. I have problems with that movie, but I want to see what else this director did. And Where the Wild People Are is a fantastic movie. Oh, Hunt for Wilder People, yeah. That's what it is, yeah. No, that was a really good one, and I'm actually super excited for what we do in The Shadows, the TV series. I, I am too. What we do in the shadows is is a friggin' incredible movie. Um, I knew I knew that I was one hundred percent sold on it when they were doing the roommate meeting at the beginning, and he says, "And the problem is none of you ever do the bloody dishes." And it cuts to the <laughs> sink full of the bloody dishes, and I'm like, "All right, I'm on board. Like this is Mel Brooks level right here. I'm I'm on board. Yep. Let's just go." <laughs> and um, oh, he spends his nights on the internet doing his dark bidding. He's just on eBay <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> no, I really like him as a director, which is why I wish I liked Thor. I don't hate Thor Ragnarok. It probably ranks middle because it's got some really cool things. It's fun to see Hulk. It's visually interesting. I just don't know if he was the right director for me for that movie. Whereas, whereas for me, I would never claim that Thor Ragnarok is the best single Marvel movie. I think all three Captain America movies are better as like film 
if that makes any sense. But Thor Ragnarok I, is my favorite. It's like the personal experience I had with it was very powerful. That's awesome. Um, it, you know, I I feel the same way. I, I wouldn't call Thor Ragnarok my favorite Marvel movie, but I love the hell out of it. But I love how the three Captain America movies are all fantastic and are all individually great for their own reasons. Like, Captain America the Winter Soldier is not great for the same reason that the first Avenger is. And, ne- like, they're all telling very different stories. And I, you know, and I like that about the three of them a lot. You know, as a side note, we're talking about, like, these... There's a concept that's really important to me when it comes to how we look at fiction, or not even fiction, anything. How we look at life, which is the, the concept of perspective, being able to understand different perspectives, look at some different perspectives. And from that kind of point of view, I want to make a comment that I went back a couple of years ago and just watched what was the entire MCU like at the time. I just like watched it all the way through. And one of the things, yeah, one of the things that struck me as interesting is that the Incredible Hulk generally considered to be, you know, bottom tier MCU, maybe not a bad movie, but just not quite great. Uh, but going back and rewatching it and rewatching it instead of from the perspective of I'm going to sit down and watch a superhero movie, but from the perspective of I'm going to sit down and watch a science gone wrong horror adjacent movie my experience was much better like just kind of changing my how i thought about what the experience i was going to have made it a better experience does that make sense i agree the the horror of hulk comes through in that movie i think more than any live action depiction i've seen of it do you know what i mean just the horror of the change and the horror of you know what has science done you know, kind yeah. of thing going on. Um, I really dig that movie. It, it it definitely isn't aged as well as the rest of them, but it, it was in that you know Iron Man time frame where they really weren't quite sure what they were doing yet, and um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that like once I kind of changed my paradigm for what I was expecting and what I was looking for it made me have a better experience. I don't know if that necessarily makes it a better movie. There's a whole interesting philosophical debate there, but it's just one of those, like, what you're thinking of, what you're expecting, and understanding your own expectations are very important to how you judge something. So I think that applies to this whole Iron Man 3, Thor Ragnarok kind of discussion, you know? I was wondering how we got here. Uh, that I, This is my favorite type of thing, because my, my brain's completely locked into how we got here, and I'm loving it. See, this is one of those things we've always joked about making a giant, you know, uh, flow chart of our conversations of we started on topic A and somehow we ended up on the Hun Dynasty. Here, let let me give another valid, I think, recent and stronger example, right? There's a lot of Venom. I went and saw Venom with my buddy Wretched. We both had a couple shots of rum because we expected to hate it. Like we were going in like all right, this is Sony, uh, this is, the trailers look terrible, right? So we go in, we sit down, we watch it, we get about 40 minutes in, and Wretched leans over to me and he says, are you having a good time? And I looked at him and said, I am actually. And I realized that, you know, now in the in hindsight, right, Venom is not a good movie at all. I, do, I would never claim it's a good movie. But Tom Hardy is having such a good time that it's like infectious for me. And I'm enjoying watching his performance and what they do with him and Venom. Villain's terrible. Plot is terrible. Pacing is terrible. But Hardy as Eddie Brock and Venom is itself enjoyable. It doesn't save the movie, but it saves my experience with it once I know 
this is what I'm watching this for, you know? This is now two people in the last three days that make me really want to sit down and watch this movie. Nope. <laughs> good. At least there's one. That's yeah, that's why, that's why I'm telling you. It's like it's not a good movie. It's just that Tom Hardy's performance well, is great. <laughs> my, my friend Tim and his wife Corinne, who do Cinema Spection, who um, I've been uh, on their podcast a bunch, told, were telling me the same thing. We were watching the Oscars with them, and they said, oh, yeah, you you got to watch Venom. It's a friggin' blast. It's horrible, but it's a friggin' blast. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Weird. The people said the same thing about The Room. And then I watched The Room. And I've never forgiven those people. Okay, but oh, that's yeah, a completely, that's... that's different entirely. The Room is the room is a blast because of how bad it is. Venom is a blast because of the one thing about it that's good, essentially shining around a bunch of bad things. I will argue it is not even good. You know what I find amazing um, about your hatred of The Room, because it comes up in a lot of your stuff, is that... You're you're adding more rhetoric to the room through your hate. So it's just <laughs> not going to go away. Oh, I know it won't. I'm hoping that the disaster artist was the high watermark and that we can just move on and stop talking about it. And then I heard they're giving him another movie. Of course I, they are. Can I ask you a, a quick question, Chris? Absolutely. So I've mentioned that The Amazing Spider-Man is my most hated movie of all time. Number two is The Crimes of Grindelwald, which I also mentioned, both relatively recent. My number third most hated movie of all time is one that I didn't even remember the name of because I'd blocked it out so much, and not many people know it. Have you heard of The King is Alive? No. Okay, that's all I really wanted. So for the record, for anyone who is curious, The King is Alive is this movie I saw when I was about 11 about a bus full of people that get lost in the desert because their compass broke. And that one of the people on the, the bus is like a playwright. So he's like, okay, while we're waiting for someone to come save us, let's put on a performance of King Lear. And like, then they have some drama. The, the one super expert guy goes out in the desert, but then dies of dehydration. But then one of the guys who's not an expert at all, who's just wandering out of the desert, finds his body, which makes no sense how he got out that far with no water. It just, it's terrible. It's so bad, but I'm glad that it doesn't seem to be known. <laughs> so I just had to ask. <laughs> Yeah, holy shit. Like it's it's rare that I get stumped on something like that. I've never even heard of that damn thing. Now I have to find it. Thanks. <laughs> and if you end up liking it for some reason, more power to you, but I it was I was sitting there watching the movie and every second I was like, this is going to get better. I feel like this is going to get better, and it never did. <laughs> for a minute I thought you were describing the plot of Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie. I, I It is. It is, but as a kid, it always like I always used to say to my dad, "And how come they're all getting on a bus now?" Oh like, yeah, just... no, uh, that was how I learned the story of Jesus was through that movie. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I uh, yeah, I had to go to Catholic school. That wasn't fun. Anyway, <laughs> it's funny because the, the reason I ask is I don't get a chance to really rant about that movie very often because no one knows. I can rant about Crimes of Grindelwald and Amazing Spider-Man all day because those are pretty recent, but The King's Live came out like... We did an episode on you ranting about Crimes of Grindelwald. It did really well. I I'm love glad it. it did. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So Me that movie, too. Anyway. <laughs> oh. I'm debating if I'm going to see that movie or not because I know, yeah, I know on paper it's bad. I know all the details are bad. But I'm kind of curious, how bad is it? I cannot convey to you how bad. I, I had half an hour to convey to you how bad I know. it is. I still don't feel satisfied. <laughs> when, I, when I asked my brother what he thought of it after seeing it, he literally short-circuited. 
He was just kind of like, but everybody working on it is good. I don't, ex- except for Johnny Depp, who he's just kind of, but he goes, everybody working on it is good. The director has made three great Harry Potter movies. I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> he's like, what the, he was just shutting down. It was great. Yeah. And I really like, I will always have respect for JK Rowling for basically getting me into reading, but she needs to stop. She's, yeah. so- she's hitting, she's hitting M. Night Shyamalan territory. She needs a handler. Maybe, maybe they should, um, uh, Maybe they should get Blumhouse to start producing Harry Potter movies. <laughs> you know? Better yet, let her write another book series. Let her go off in a whole sure. other direction because the creativity is starting to uh, fold in on itself. Well, it's funny because I feel like the base problem with the entire – so like the first Fantastic Beast, I actually – I kind of like. Like it's it's got a lot of problems, but I was like, all right, this character is basically the doctor from Doctor Who but in, in Harry Potter and just watch him and do funny like – you know, animals and stuff. Basically, be be Magic Steve Irwin. That's all I want you to, to be. But then the, they're trying to tie together with all these conspiracy, Game of Thrones, politicky BS, based basically pre the story we already know. Like, why do that? Why not tell another story at the school with a different group of kids or tell a story about the founders? There's, there is room for interesting stories, but why just focus on this, this prequel to what we already know stuff? It's just... Anyway. No, pre... Prequel and fan service has a has a big problem, right? They, you know, we we've seen that happen far too often to everything, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That that that's why I actually, you know, um, uh, I was a lot happier with, even though they still are full of prequel and fan service of how the Solo and Rogue One turned out, because Rogue One more than Solo, because that Solo was just kind of all fan service, but um. <laughs> But I liked them because they didn't try to add anything new that ruined my impression of the films I was already watching. Like Rogue One made, for me, made A New Hope, like, feel more immediate. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I watched A New Hope after seeing Rogue One and it's like, oh, wow, the opening of this movie is freaking brutal now (laughs) because I know what just went down, you know, Um, and uh, Solo was just kind of cool because it it just it kind of did what. You know, Lucasfilm wanted it to do, and they kind of took all the piss out of it and kind of just <laughs> made, it be its, made it be its own little thing that existed, and it doesn't really affect anything. And we're going to do all this, um, you know, rest of the universe, expanded universe stuff for the fans. And I liked that, too. You know, it didn't it didn't go and ruin anything. You know, Rogue One's interesting for me personally because I'm I don't like Rogue One, but mm-hmm. I don't really have a, a good frame of reference for why. Like I remember I go I went in that movie and I was like, I want to see Donnie Yen, first of all, oh, because yeah. I love everything Donnie Yen does. And Mads Mickelson is like one of the best offbeat actors currently I had just watched The Hunt, like just oh, before. And so I was like really on that Mads Mickelson train. And and then outside of those two, and of course Vader essentially being an eighties slasher character for one scene, uh Outside of those three things, I was just bored by Rogue One, and I don't really have a good sense of why. Like, I would never claim Rogue One's bad. I was just, maybe it just wasn't for me. Like, something about it didn't, I, I never cared about anyone else, essentially, in that movie. Well, that, that's fair. The, the first half of the movie definitely had a ton of problems. It had a lot of pacing issues. It was very rushed and then slow. <laughs> you know, and then rushed and then slow. Like yeah. Donnie Yen was the only character I cared about, not just because he was Donnie Yen, but because I actually latched onto the idea of this essentially priest or this monk who is 
lost all of the structure of his faith, but is still holding right. on to the faith itself. Like I, I latched onto that. He's, and he's the only he's the only character in the movie that carries mythos with him. Like it's like I want to know more about this guy, where everybody else is kind of on the surface who they are, and this guy's like I want to see the movie was what was going on with him before I got here. You know, yes, definitely. Maybe cut the cast in half because yeah, the, you would have cared more about all these people dying because you knew they were going to die because you knew that was just how it was going to end. But if you had fewer characters or you had more time to focus on these characters, you really would have cared when they died because as awesome as the Battle of Scarif is because that's just toys smashing into each other, <laughs> childhood awesomeness. It really At was. the same time, it kind of rings hollow. It's like, well, who are these people and why do I care? Right, that's yeah. fair. Very I mean, I like, Rogue, I like Rogue One. It's still fun, largely because the big action set pieces are just fun. But at the same time, I can look at it and go, man, I wish I had, you know, grown to care about these characters, which is why I think Lucas might making the right decision by doing TV series, because you can kind of longer I format. I agree. I think, I think it's a much better place to flesh out all that stuff. Um, Star Wars is a great universe. So there's like so much potential there that you don't need to have it just be, you know, keep keeping up with the Skywalkers, right? So. You know what I think would be? I, I've always wanted to see a Star Wars show that was just like a straight up like creature of the week kind of thing. Yeah. You know, what's like, funny? What's funny about that is that you know I I'm more of a Star Trek fan in general. Like I adore all things Star Trek, and if you could have one of the things I like about Star Trek is because of how long form it is, being in a show and getting to you know alternate with Creature of the Week kind of concepts, but also have like long form mythos building. Like you could do something like that with Star Wars's universe without quote unquote stepping on Star Trek's toes. Which really, comparing the two is not fair. They never were even occupying the same space, other Agreed. than being both about space. So, and they both they both flip a completely different geek switch for me too. Exactly. Yes. Which is how I've always felt. It was always interesting to me how much my dad, who um, was more of like the movies he liked, you know, as a whole, were more like the action sci-fi side of things. And to watch him, like he'd put on Star Wars when we were kids, when we were doing something else and have it on the background. It's a movie you can quote. It's a movie you can watch. But when Star Trek was on, it was like laser focus. Like, he would just sit there and, like, just be in awe of it, you know, and, like, was taking everything in and was analyzing what was going on. And it was just, like, it was cool to see those two sides of him and how much of, you know, my movie watching comes from that. Like, it's like, you know, you don't go to a Star Trek movie to necessarily or watch a Star Trek show to necessarily be on the edge of your seat. You know, it's, it's a different thing. It's, it's more like the deep, the deep thinking and the deep analysis and the deep mythos like you were talking about there. And um, it, it I... The people that say you can like one and like the other. It, no, you can like them both, man. Yeah, and like you said, they flip completely different geek switches. Of course. So, But my, my point to bring that up is that if you gave a like the structure of like a Star Trek show, and any of them really, but set it in a Star Wars universe, I mean, that'd probably be closer in tone to actually something like Firefly. But still, of just course. because... Yeah, just because we have Battlestar Galactica and Stargate and Firefly and we have these shows that would be structurally similar doesn't mean we wouldn't love to see basically that same style of show in the Star Wars universe. I agree. And, and I think I'm, I'm glad they're opening that up and I'm glad um, I guess Jon Favreau has a ton to do with it, which is really cool. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Jon Favreau is a consistently appreciated 
maker of film and film-like things as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Do you know you know what I didn't know? My, my father-in-law had the Orville on a few times, which I had no I love the Orville. In. Yeah. I had no interest in watching it because yep. Seth MacFarlane is really hot or cold with me, and I'm yep. kind of sick of him. And I started watching it, and I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. You know, you know what I love about the Orville? Like, I stayed away from it for the same reasons you said. I'm not a Seth MacFarlane fan. I've never I watched some American Dad when I was in college because my friends really into it, and I get some enjoyment out of it, but generally not a fan. So I thought that the Orville was gonna be a parody. But it once I sat down and watched it, I was like, I could feel that McFarlane and whoever else is involved in writing the show actually have reverence and love for Trek. Like they're they it is comedy but they're taking themselves seriously and i can feel that in the well, show and that's the, the reason i got there is because i did some digging and it's actually favreau again really really yeah that makes sense no i think that was one of our very early suggestions of the week at least mine because i thought i'm like okay seth mcfarland doing star trek this is gonna be family guy in space but i'll give it a try and i watched him like okay this is really solid and I was afraid I was going to get a second season because it seemed like everyone was shitting on it because, oh, this is just dumbed down Star Trek. Like, no, it's not. It's like Mel Brooks meets Star Trek. Well, I remember. Exactly. It's very self-aware Star Trek. That's all it really is. It's I remember the moment. Of... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, yo, you were talking. I was going to say, I remember the exact moment that I was like, okay, this show is worth consideration in the pantheon of sci-fi-ish shows. Was uh, episode three, which is all about the the Mocklin uh, officer and him having a child born female, right? Oh so, yeah. So like the whole episode is dealing with what are some pretty hot button issues about the nature of sex and gender and societal like implications. They they don't ever mention something like the Prime Directive, but it's obviously dealing with that kind of concept from start. And then at the very end, there's no joke. Like the ending is really somber and sad, and but also very poignant and. Like I, I remember seeing that last scene, which I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it. But point is that I watched it. I was like, that is the kind of ending I would expect from top tier Trek episodes. And I was I was impressed. So that's awesome. Give me one second. My son just had a giant blowout. He's been asleep. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Talk okay. amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Um, I'm not here. <laughs> How is that a topic? Uh, his topic of not being here. By the way, um, while uh, I'll probably bring it back up when, when Chris comes back, but with Star Wars, so with Geeks and Shields, our very first episode we ever did for anyone who is you know, mostly listening to this for Chris, and we just happen to be here, sorry for crashing his party or whatever, but our first episode was a, uh, a half episode about Punisher Season 1, which had just come out, and Star Wars The Last Jedi, which had just uh, come out. Now, one of those is not contentious at all. Punch and one's great. But Star Wars Last Jedi is a very divisive movie. And Ulrich and I's opinions, while running not in opposite directions, did have several divergences. So, you know, that you was know, our first You rung the dinner bell, right? What, talk about Last Jedi? You mentioned Last Jedi on the internet. I'm fine with that. Like I said, our very first episode was that. So if, that's, if this is the dinner bell, then that's like dinner alarm yeah so send them to our you know worst episode well not our worst there's a lot there's been some bad ones no our worst episode our by far i'm gonna put my flag down here was when ulrich decided to bring his his brother on so we could talk about famous real life serial killers i don't know that was a good episode and the people loved it 
I, I'm flabbergasted at that because even recording it, I was like, this feels bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. We had a Ted Bundy Netflix special. We had a Ted Bundy movie starring, you know, uh, Zach Efron. People like the darkness. By the way, I'll say that I remember recently seeing the whole when the trailer for that movie came out and there was some controversy online about is are they glorifying Ted Bundy? It's like if you look back, there's a documentary on Netflix now about Ted Bundy and about how at the time, right, he was so charismatic that there were people who, you know, talked about how charismatic he was and how they didn't believe he did the terrible things he did. So because of how, you know, easy it was to like him, which is part of the reason why he was capable of you know, getting women to follow him into a lot of the serial killers. That's the same thing. I mean, you look what they say about Manson. He was such a charmer. He was so nice. So, so casting Zac Efron is accurate and is showing you that real monsters don't, you know, real villains don't twirl their mustaches. Real villains to, to quote Star Trek, real villains cloak themselves in good deeds and are much harder to spot. And that's the same is true for charisma, you know. So if you casted some oily, greasy, obviously monstrous person as Ted Bundy, you'd be doing a disservice to just how terrifying of a monster the the real guy was. Anyway, but I think my... that's what the controversy was: is people aren't necessarily comfortable with having that idea reasserted. Though I looked up the statistic, and I can't remember the exact number, but the amount of serial killers you will interact with in your lifetime is scary high. Really, and we're yeah, back. like it's a. We're talking about serial killers, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'll just I'll just keep this then. <laughs> it was uh, for the record, in my opinion, our worst episode we recorded. I, worst, quote unquote, whatever your definition of it is, was we talked about serial killers. So, really, that must have been weird. It was odd. Yeah, very I'll odd. Have to listen, I'll have to listen to that one. It's funny that um that you brought that up because I'll do a good tangent. What is your favorite episode of your show? That was something I was oh, going to ask. We uh, actually talked about this on a... Oh, so recently we had our... Well, not recently, like um, two months ago, we had our one-year anniversary, and we recorded a one-year anniversary episode where we just answered a bunch of questions from our fans, and then we lost it for... Yep. So, uh, which is too bad, because I loved that recording. It was a really good recording. But one of the questions asked was, what, what's your favorite episode of the show? And I think, if I remember correctly, my answer was... Our first episode with Woundvog, where we talked about uh, Cartoon Network cartoons. Yeah, was, that was a oh, lot of fun. Oh, so one of my favorite topics. That was a lot and, of fun to do. In fact, the, the Chipman Brothers tangent that um, is going to be released next week, I think, um, we, uh, we go off on and on about Johnny Bravo oh, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> love it love johnny bravo <laughs> yeah i talked about that one and how you know i was shaped by the character of johnny bravo whereas for me when i was very young ed ed Nettie was like it's super influential on how i developed because double d was like an icon for me because i had super i valued intelligence and like that sort of personality i remember when i was very young i was in grade school i would play a game with two friends of mine where we were the eds you know that's and awesome I, yeah. And I tried to run scams based on their sh- shenanigans. Yeah, you're totally Eddie. I believe that. <laughs> Did you guys um were you guys aware of the What a Cartoon show? Yeah. I love What a Cartoon from. Yeah. It was Yeah. Cool. I love What a Cartoon. That was a good one. Uh yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. I also really like uh one we did here recently, which should be coming out soon, where we talked about just our favorite childhood toys. 
oh, I just I just edited that and sent that to you yesterday. So yeah, that should be out soon. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. That's another favorite topic. You can thinking about childhood toys. I particularly like the commercials for the toys. Mm-hmm. Like I love going and finding those old VHS tapes and seeing like you know Tyco RC. Um, had <laughs> some of like the most ridiculous commercials. It usually involved cars like driving up volcanoes, you know, and stuff like that. Well, just... <laughs> I love RC stuff in general. I never had an RC plane. Always wanted one. Never got one. Oh yeah, no, it never ended well. No, was they great... always end up on top of a building somewhere. Yeah. Ours were in trees. What was great about that episode? And Chris and us, we've talked about this a little off recording. So, but what was great about the episode for me was we were talking about Legos in general, and we had this conversation about what is what was our priority, right, when it came to toys right. in general. And we kind of came to this conclusion that me, for instance, I loved Transformers toys and Silly Putty and Legos. But what I loved about them was I didn't I didn't use instructions. I would make my own creations with transformers i figured out my own with legos i'd build my own dinosaurs i wouldn't follow any rules that with silly putty i'd create you know whole scapes of things but ulrich is much more i'm gonna say because he's a historian even when he was that young he was all about legacy building things that last that were a testament to his ability so he like connects where he could build a, a construct and then like have it exist for as long as possible. He didn't want things to, to break. I didn't mind because building was the fun part. He wanted something to be like a monument to him. Yep. Still do. Right. It's just it's just a different part of your brain. It's it's all um it's all your approach and what you bring to the table. And I think uh there's there's a place for both of it. Like like we were talking about, you know, my, my background's engineering and um Mine uh, is too. <laughs> exactly. And there's there's two sides to that I even find. Like you get, you know, you get the engineers that, you know, want to solve that one problem over and over and over again, but do it for every project. And they're not really caring about the legacy and the building and the what you send out the door and what you get out there. And it's more the chase and the fun of figuring out the problem. Which is and close I, to me. And I definitely have a large part of that in my brain, but I also can put my feet in the side of, you know, trying to get the nice thing out the door. So I think Legos do a really good job of feeding both sides of that personality to me because, okay, yeah, you buy, you know, like, uh, like a Voltron set. Like my brother just got me for my birthday today. And it is my birthday. So happy, oh, birthday, happy birthday to me, 35 <laughs> years old today or yesterday. Um, but that's going to be really cool. Cause of course the Voltron, like I said, I want to build to make look like freaking Voltron. Right. Yes. So there's, there's a part of that you know the, the the joy of finishing it and having it up on the wall but i really also like the part of building it and i liked when i was a kid getting a set that didn't look like a movie or something that i knew and i could just say you know what i'm going to look at the box and see if i can figure it out without the instructions and add something to it or change it and so i i think um there's a place for both of those things you were bringing up the historian side of things and um i wanted to touch on this when you guys were talking about arriving at the han dynasty you know, through something, but, um, have you seen the picture that's been going around of the, uh, lifelike representation of the Nero statue? I saw that today and it made me smile. Yeah. I right. Seen that. <laughs> so if you, if you haven't seen it, look at it <laughs> after this, but, um, and I want people listening to this to look at it too, but the best description I heard of it was this looks like somebody who'd be really angry about your thoughts on Jordan Peterson. And that freaking killed me. 
Yeah. So, I okay, I found it because I have multiple monitors, and uh, he looks like he's about to order a pint to me. But <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, it's interesting to see people break down the where they probably ended up with the red hair, even though he was described as having you know more blondish hue to his hair, and um, uh, where they you know arrived at you know um the look and people you know th- there's a long thread of people showing well you know. Caesar, who you know was the or the the people that were doing the um, the uh, propaganda of the time, you know, released coins that showed you know a very similar stature to the face. So you know this is probably close to what the guy looked like, and it, it's just really interesting. And I figured, having seen it just before we recorded tonight, I'd throw that out there to see what you guys thought. Yeah, no, no I, I loved it. <laughs> uh, just for the record, right? You are a mechanical engineer, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah, and I, I'm an electrical, so I, I spend most of my time with, uh, you know, actual circuits and stuff. And then yep. o- Ulrich here is, uh, I say at best, you were a, a historian, right? You were a student of uh, history of war, to be specific. What was your focus? Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, my history professor put it best. It's like, today we're talking about World War One, and I'm sure DC will love that because, my God, that boy loves war. <laughs> <laughs> But that was the general broad scope. The problem with historians is they want you to narrow into one specific field. And it's like, but I have lots of fields I like. I like, you know, this one and this one. I think a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What's funny, though, I think about history is that a lot of people think that history is about, you know, pure facts. But once you actually <laughs> study history, the concept we talked about, I talked about perspective earlier. Well, knowing what historical lens you're looking at something. I mean, it's why there are debates about what how something happened why certain decisions were made like it can be for instance one of my favorite history based things online is uh the the vlog brothers john hank green they have a a world history seg section uh, like 42 videos where they just go through different sections of the world but they say up front that they're looking at history through largely an economic lens so they avoid great man history and war-based history but it completely changes like how you look at sequences of events so no, right, I love yeah, history. The, it's true. Like, you know, the best, the best statistics or the worst statistics are all in, um, you know, and I hate statistics, by the way, are, are <laughs> all in how are all in, you know, what you, what you use as your basis. Right. So you're right. You, you look at history from an economic standpoint and it's like, oh, everybody just kind of passed money around. We don't, <laughs> we're not going to really say why they just did it. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. Speaking of that, have, have either of you seen they will not grow old? I so desperately want to see it. It was it never came to any of our theaters nearby, but I want to take my dad to it because last year I got into a podcast by uh, Dan Carlin. It's like an eight-part podcast on World War One, and it's like I need to learn more about this war. Absolutely, my my brother uh, took my mom to see it. He you know he gets us into the premieres every once in a while, so it's not actually playing anywhere. Well, it might be playing somewhere around here now, but not a lot. But they they were blown away by it, and um, I guess the technology Peter Jackson's going to use it to uh, redo Dead Alive, Meet the Feebles, and Bad Taste. So we're going to get interesting. Uh, we're going to get cleanups of all three of those. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, That's I love... a fascinating leap, right? Yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't heard of it. It's still playing in my theater. Uh, I might get a chance to go see it tomorrow. Then, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm generally, I like, I love studying 
war, and I love studying history in general, but I'm not much for war movies in general. But that's only well, a personal preference. When I was very young, my my father, well, my stepdad, the closest thing I ever had to a real dad. I'm not going to get into the darkness of that right now. But Saving Private Ryan was his favorite movie. So I got exposed to that God. pretty young. <laughs> so I don't know. So you haven't heard anything about this movie yet? No, I hadn't heard about it. So what, what Jackson did is he not only did he colorize and clean up footage and not for like the stupid reasons, but like to actually preserve it and kind of put it through a lens of today, like looking at it. Um, but since all of the footage that they had from World War One either had terrible audio or no audio, he got um, lip readers to come and do voices for the characters. Mm. So you're actually looking at real footage but having it be like put through to like today's lens. And Super I've heard they've saved like whole parts of footage that were lost that you couldn't yeah. even tell what was going on. And no, I, when I first saw that trend, like I need to see this because I have become a huge fan of world war one, probably because it's not an easy war. There's not, you know, Oh, these guys are Nazis and we always know where Nazis come out. <laughs> this was right. a very much, Oh man, this sucked all around. Right. Yeah, no, I actually really, I really like that about World War One. Not, I mean, it's not a good thing, but to look at it from a perspective of there aren't really bad guys in World War One. There was just a bad sequence of events. So right, it just got everybody fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, the Jake's obviously upset. So um, I, I had one more topic I wanted to go. Um, because we've done about an hour, and I really appreciate you guys being on. Um. <laughs> But I wanted, since it's fresh in the minds, I wanted to do a quick blip, even though it's kind of an easy, hot topic on what you guys thought about the Oscars. If you watched it or if you read, um, if you read anything about it, like what's what's the big, like the best couple things and the worst couple things to come from it? Go. Uh, Spike Lee. Best. <laughs> like I am not a big. I've never. I haven't been a big fan of Spike Lee. He's rubbed me the wrong way for so long. But with how good Black Clansman was and how funny he was at the Oscars, I'm like, oh, goddamn, I like that little dude. Yeah, when he jumped up into uh, Samuel L. Jackson's arms, when it was, that was amazing. Yeah, I was just like, okay, I got to give him, I mean, some, I'm, some of the stuff I didn't totally agree with him on, but just his, you know, the, how funny he was. I did not know that he was legitimately that funny. He's definitely... Um sitting there with the okay you know i've done a lot i've earned my place now and i'm gonna lean back a little bit just kind of be here and accept it um i i liked his little silent protest for green book winning <laughs> even though yeah. people are like yeah. oh he's he's just angry because he lost it's got nothing to do with him losing do you know what the fuck green book's about like this mm -hmm. has nothing to do with spike lee losing <laughs> uh, i was gonna say if we're talking about like a good thing and a bad thing i mean the bad thing obviously is uh, green book which when we had Chris, on our, uh, we predicted that Green Book was probably going to win, even though yep. a lot of a lot of problems with it. I I think it's interesting how many things Bohemian Rhapsody won, considering that as a movie, that it's... was really surprised. Like I thought Rami Malek was a sink for Best Actor because he did a great performance in that movie, but, but it also a got lot of the other best... stuff. It got best film editing and best sound yeah. editing and best sound mixing, which I guess if you're having a musical movie, the sound ones kind of makes sense. But still, it's just an odd. It's just odd to me that a movie of that quality got so much. Uh, I know that people have been trying to compensate the whole. Well, Black Panther didn't get best picture, but it got more Oscar nods 
in all the other categories than like any other co- comic book movie before, which is, I, I guess that's kind of a, a you know, compensation. But I, there, there's problems with that. My my favorite thing, obviously, is that in the Spider Verse got best animated picture. But Absolutely. Actually, yeah, I, I think that is the best thing of the Oscars because that was pretty much the best movie of last year. I yeah. was unfortunately convinced. I was like, it's going to go to Disney. I mean, it has to go to Disney because I, Disney has beaten so many other great movies. And then Spider-Verse, when I'm like, well, I'll be damned. What's funny for me is, though, I feel it's almost, I know this isn't a new take. People have been saying this forever. But, you know, in Spider-Verse could have been a like a good contender for best picture, period, if there wasn't yes. a best animated picture category. So just a weird, you know, notion of how the Oscars work. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, from a personal standpoint, having a, uh, having a daughter who has an autism spectrum diagnosis, learning new things about a director I've always loved in Alfonso Cuaron and how his sidings with some of the negative sides of the uh, autism people, and kind of, I don't know if you've heard any of this, but he has a son who's autistic and he kind of backs up people that are kind of into like conversion therapy type things. Yeah, gross. Um, that kind of really weird freaks me the fuck out. So I. W- was annoyed every time his movie won anything even though it's a great movie so it's kind of a it's a goddamn shame but yeah so, so the oscars were interesting what did you guys think about them not having a host i can't believe it worked i thought that was going to be the biggest trip up but it was like oh wow this is actually working so much better yeah the, it, was, uh, it was a breath of fresh air to watch actually the build-up to that right was that they kept saying that kevin hart was going to host and then not hosting and then was going to host and then finally they're just like fine no one hosts yeah, right. And that's kind of like their big advantage. You have all these people, so if you know one of them comes out as a shit heel, like, eh, we're just going to replace you. It, it uh, worked out so much better. It is definitely one of those things where I don't feel like the Os- if you're going to have a host, it's not like the Tonys, where generally the Tonys host is the very charismatic, strong figure who's like usually putting on a show of their own in addition to hosting. Like right. the hosting job of Oscars is a lot more. Robotic, for lack of a better term. Well, so, Bill, Billy Crystal made the Oscar hosting into a Tony host, and he's the only one that's ever really pulled it off in, in, in you know, the more recent era. And when you don't have him, you get someone either trying to ape that or do their own thing. I mean, look at some of the best hosts you can think of. You could think of um, uh, Hugh Jackman, right? He just hosts it like he's hosting the Tonys. Exactly. Because Hugh Jackman also hosted the Tonys. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. So um, Jake is really freaking out now, so I'm going to say, wh- why don't you guys uh, um, tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing one more time where they can find you, please? All right. Well, generally speaking, right, Geeks with Shields, we we release our videos uh, once a week, sometimes more if we have you know something you know, particularly, but we have uh, platforms on both YouTube and SoundCloud. We have it on YouTube because that's where everyone does things, but YouTube's algorithm has tended to be problematic for us so we like to push our soundcloud quite a bit where you know you can download us and listen to us without having to stream and stuff so just type in uh, geeks with shields and you should be able to find us on either one of those platforms awesome and you guys also have a patreon right yes we do uh patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields if you want to give us money and allow us to do more things because podcasting, unfortunately, is not cheap. And I think you guys, I think you guys definitely should um, go over to their Patreon and give them some money. Um, thank you both for being on here. This is great. This is my first, or 
my first remote um, podcast recording I've done with more than one person. No, Chris, man, thank you for having us. I was super excited to be here. Like, I've had a great time, and I feel like Ulrich reaching out to you on on Twitter has been one of the best things to happen to us because I think you're a really fun guy. So I just like chatting with you. And I mean, recording it, that's great, but I just like having the conversation, man. I feel the same way, and I actually want to do a second one of these because I only got through about half of the things I wrote down I wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, which is awesome. Excellent. Um, and, uh, also, um, I wanted to tell you guys that, you know, when I, when I first saw you liking and sharing my stuff on Twitter, um, I went in and, you know, and, and looked you guys up and started listening to your podcasting, you know, it's, it's the kind of same reaction I had to my friends on adventure incorporated who are an improv group that decided to do a D and D campaign. You know, I listened to their shows and didn't pay any attention to Patreon numbers or anything else, but you know. It, it makes me so happy that you guys think so much of me because it 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 makes um what I'm doing mean so much more like this people like liking it because when I listen to yours and it's like I didn't look at the Patreon to see if you had as many followers as me or anything like that but what you were producing sounded very professional so it sounded like you've been doing it for a lot longer than me and I mean that um I I think I think your show's great and I'm I'm happy I'm honored to have been able to be on it and I want to be on it more. Well, thank you. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, we'd love to have you on uh, more, and we'd love to be on your show as much as you'll have us. And uh, you know, I, I'm having a good time. So, cool. and uh, professional is not a word I would use to describe us, but I know Ulrich well, is a bit of a perfectionist, the, so I'm sure he, quality, he likes hearing it. The quality of the recording and the uh, the flow, like right, you know, you can get things on where you listen to people talk about something they love. I mean, we we talked about this, I think, on the last episode of yours I was on, you know, can be kind of robotic. Like you, you can listen to someone talk about something you love for a couple hours and they can just be really um, technical and boring about it. Or they can add some flourish and some fun and kind of go off the hip. And um, I like to have a mix of both of those things in what I listen to. And um, I think you guys cover that for sure. Um, to give people a, a little bit of a hint on what I would want to talk to you about next time is I was hoping to have a little bit of a Reader's Digest explanation of Warhammer from a guy <laughs> from a guy who's only casually like um, knows about it. And also because I, I have a figurine that my friend I work with got me from the Horus Hearsay. Which heresy. is I guess, heresy, sorry. Um, it's got okay. Me a, got me no, a no. You, you're talking to the right guys. I mean, we would never claim to be experts, but we both... Uh, Ulrich loves Warhammer more than me, but I've literally spent the last week doing nothing but listening to Warhammer videos. That's awesome. Like, so I'm I'm kind of prepared. I, I will say that I find early on in our in our podcast, right? Uh, not to extend this more than we need to. No, but, that's okay. I, um, I'm holding Jake now, so he's being quiet. All right, I was going to say early on, Ulrich was kind of concerned. Uh, he, Ulrich is a perfectionist. Like I said, I'm a lot more relaxed. Our dynamic is that Ulrich is ambitious. He's got he's got plans. Uh, he works very hard. Uh, I, I'm more of a relaxed entity. I mean, I do the editing for us right now, but other than that, I'm a lot more chill about the whole process. So Ulrich would have these, not panic attacks necessarily, but he'd get very, very wound tight about what, you know, listeners want to hear. And I remember telling him, I went, Hey man, you know, there are hundreds, thousands of podcasts of people talking about geek stuff. The, the selling point isn't going to be what we talk about. It's going to it, on a podcast. People listen to a podcast for the personality. People listen to watch things online generally for sincere personality. So, if there is an audience out there 
that's going to like our personalities and how they they mesh that's what's going to be the point everything else is just a tool to work through those to present that and i like to think that for instance your personality meshes very well with both of ours that's why we can have these kind of conversations so i agree and that's why I'm, I'm still really impressed that we only got through half of what i wanted to talk about so um with that um thank you all and thank both of you for shooting the shit with me tonight and um i really hope to have you guys back on again um have a great night <laughs>